You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,168. Authors Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss are back with a newly released sequel to their hit book, B.S. Incorporated Operation Clusterpuck. That's what I said, Clusterpuck. It it follows the stories of unsung corporate heroes who are working to do the right thing for their work family in all situations. Jennifer, I've invited Jennifer and Michael back to talk about their sequel. You might remember your loyal Critical Mass radio show listeners that we had them both on the show when they dropped their first book. I'm excited to have Jennifer and Michael back on the program. Welcome you both back to Critical Mass radio show and podcast. Thanks so much for having us. It's great to be back. Thank you. All right. Well, um, let's start maybe with why did you decide it was time and the right thing to do was to write a sequel to your very enjoyable BS Incorporated? Well, first of all, thank you for calling the first book very enjoyable. And the idea for a sequel really came about at the end of writing the first book. Uh, We had a a great editor and our publisher at, at Wise Inc. Creative Publishing really pushed us to leave at the end of book one with a cliffhanger. And uh, so we did. We, we sort of pushed ourselves and wrote ourselves into a bit of a corner that we knew we could pick up from and, uh, and write a sequel to it when the time came. So how much time did you take off from finishing the manuscript for the first book, Jennifer, to starting to work on the manuscript for the second book? Great question. Um, so I, I guess it's worth it for your listeners to say that the first book took us six years to write. Um, that was, you know, writing on airplanes in between corporate meetings and um, our very full-time jobs. And, um, and so that was a long, long process. The second book took us only about 10 months. Um, when you're under the gun for a publisher, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> um, but we, we did take, um, it was about a two-year gap in between. And, um, and it was such a wonderful two years because um, BS Incorporated, our first novel, Um, hit all kinds of business audiences. We found um, wonderful readers uh, of that book who really enjoyed um, how we took 45-plus years of our shared experiences working in corporate America and uh, fictionalizing them um, for readers to enjoy. My recollection of reading BS Incorporated before we had you on the show was as I read the pages and stories and adventures of Will Evans or Anna Reed, kind of the two leads in the book, Many of the situations rang, unfortunately, all too familiar to my my own personal corporate experience in some ways. It's sort of like a Dilbert kind of a moment. Were other were others of that same sense when they talked to you about your first book? Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the, the most common bits of feedback we heard from people sounded an awful lot like, it's almost as if you snuck into my company <laughs> and then wrote a book about what we go through every day. So those universal experiences really rang true with readers across a wide variety of backgrounds. And and while your books are enjoyable and they're great uh, reads from a fiction perspective, it's a little bit disconcerting that this must dysfunction, as you write about in both books, is unfortunately all too common in corporate America. Is that a fair assessment? It is a fair assessment, unfortunately. And don't get me wrong, we have worked with and for some amazing companies with amazing people in them um, doing wonderful things. 
Um, but the dysfunction is so much more fun to write about. So <laughs> we've taken good notes throughout our careers. And certainly we've embellished some of the, uh, the fictional exploits that you see in, uh, in the corporate settings in our book. But um, as we like to say, um, it's the most ridiculous and absurd stories and situations in our books that are usually the ones that are true. So, so you, you uh, Michael, you mentioned that you, you left the book with a cliffhanger, and that's where you sort of pick up with the uh, sequel, BS Incorporated Operation Cluster Puck. Can you give us the arc of that story without giving away anything that you would want people to learn through reading the book? Sure. So, so fresh on the heels of a borderline disaster in book one, the company quickly decides to expand internationally, and they they sign a joint venture with a Canadian company, and that gives us a, a whole new slate of topics and experiences to explore, such as international travel, which sounds sexy, but anyone who's who's lived it knows that it is um, extraordinarily tiring and draining. And then, of course, there's the technology failures that you deal with. Um, that just get exacerbated when you're traveling um, compared to when you're working out of the home office. And we explore office romances and people being pulled apart because of all the travel and all the demands put on them. And, of course, a little bit of the, you know, examining the culture differences between companies and between countries as well. So you have in this book Will being reassigned, right, to, to, to the Canadian operation. So that must give you an opportunity, that gave you an opportunity to add new characters and kind of color and context to his life and his professional situation as well. That must have been fun. It, it was fun. Um, we certainly brought back some of um, our favorite characters from the first book, but um, yeah, we had the opportunity to add some new teammates and to add a, basically a Canadian company, a, a staff um, in, into this book. Um, as well as um, some absurd characters like uh, the head of a technology startup who uh, never quite knows what he's doing. And, um, and that just adds up to a, a rich cast of characters. And, and one of the things we wanted to do in Operation Cluster Puck is to really explore the personal lives of our characters a little more. We didn't get a chance to do that in book one. And, you know, the choices that people make in balancing their personal and professional lives and um, so that gave us a chance to kind of deepen that um, amongst these cast of characters as well. Right, because it seems in the second book you go deeper into kind of Anna's background and the, uh, her past a bit, but you also maintain a popular, I would have to believe, a popular character from your first book, Lyle Kirkland, and, and, and the th- kind of things that he was up to. So can for those people that might have read your first book and remember Lyle, can you give us a sense for what he's up to in book two? Certainly. So uh, Lyle Kirkland, of course, is a senior executive in our fictional company, BSI, and he has always been um, morally flexible, shall we say. And uh, so he, he continues down that path and gets a, even more of a thirst for power and is able to consolidate some power within the company. Really, really makes uh, Anna's life difficult directly as she works to support him and indirectly makes Will's life more difficult as he is off in Canada and completely feeling a lack of control over his team and the things that he feels should be going on back in the United States um, while he's continually sort of forced away from the from the company headquarters, and which allows Lyle to run roughshod over much of the employee population. And, and I have to say, Eric, that, that one of the most frequent questions we get is, is Lyle Kirkland a real guy? Did we, did we work with him? Is, <laughs> and really... He's not on the phone, is he? I can, no, oh, okay. and thankfully he is not a real person. He's actually an amalgam. He's the 
he's the worst of the worst executives that that we have worked with in in our careers. So he's a little bit of this one and a little piece of that, and a you know, a, a, and a bad attitude from this other one, you know, melded into what we could come up with as as the most villainous exec that you could work with, and and hopefully never have to. So so your books are fun to read, great character development, a lot of real life experiences blended into a mixer that but still comes out as a reasonably believable organization because there are touch points of reality that your readers can identify with. What, what have you learned being an author of a, of, of a series now of books that are largely fictional but intended to be um, realistic and to be informative? What, what have you learned both from the first book and now out promoting and, and talking with people who have read your second book? That's a, such a great question. And again, thank you for that description because you nailed exactly what we're going for with, with these books in, in terms of the, the humor blended with the reality. I think we've learned a number of things, Richard, um, one of which is these characters that we created are no longer just ours. We put these characters out into the world, and our readers want to hear from them again. They have certain expectations and hopes for where these fictional characters are going to go and what they're going to do with their lives. I think we've also learned that there's a tremendous appetite for people to see experiences, you know, reflected back at them, their own experiences, what it feels like to be in a job that where you love the company and you love your coworkers, but of course you're wading through that bureaucracy and that absurdity every day. There's a tremendous appetite for it. People enjoy the story. They cringe at some of the things that they recognize a little too directly. But they, but they love it anyway, and I think you know you see that in in terms of television shows like The Office and movies like Office Space. When it's done well, people really respond to it. Okay, okay. So you led me in a fork, and so I've got two follow-up questions. The first one is, do you see these characters making it into a different medium? Is there interest in turning it into something, into a story, a movie, a TV show? Do you think there's that opportunity to scale these characters into a different platform? Uh, we would, of course, love to see that. Okay. I mean, that's every book author's dream, I think. And we, we have had a couple of conversations around the first book um, in terms of maybe a, a, a motion picture idea. Uh-huh. Um, didn't result in something concrete. Um, but, you know, um, one of our favorite side conversations that my co-author and I have is, you know, who would play, uh, what actors and actresses would play what characters in the movie, and it's a, it's a nice fantasy to have. So, yes, of course we would love to see that come to life one day. Okay. Well, I, I believe um, in speaking your truth and putting it out there in the universe, so I'm trying to give you a platform to, to do that, and hopefully you never know what might come from that, because I, as a reader of your work, I would encourage someone who might be interested because I think there's an audience for business people that they could relate to. Everything doesn't have to be a Marvel comic superhero for us to go and enjoy the character development of someone who's more like us. So I, I think there is that platform opportunity for you, and I would love to see that happen. I would go uh, and tell my community they should go and watch it as well. The other question is, uh, a little more lighthearted, do you ever have any former people that you've worked with ask you if they were inspiration for any of your characters or situations? And if so, how do you respond to that? We do get that question. Uh, We certainly got it more around the first book, BS Incorporated. And there are very few friends, colleagues, acquaintances who were sort of picked up and lifted directly into (laughs) the prose in the book. Um, But those characters are instantly recognizable. And one of them is Benny, 
whose mm-hmm. full name is Susan Benedetti, the, the public relations director, the foremost friend of both Will and Anna, and she is based very much on a real-life friend of both Jennifer's and mine. So we, we are very clear that, yes, yes, that is you um, when, we, when we talk to that individual. But in terms of the other ones, similar to what, what um, Jennifer had said earlier, a lot of them are amalgams. And we say, yep, you recognize that scene or you recognize that trait in that character. And we did take that directly from you. And we took a little bit of this person and we mixed it in together. And we used a little bit of our imaginations as well and, and put them all together. And that's, that's really how we land on most of those characters. And, and so far we haven't been sued or, <laughs> or right. nobody unfriended or right. unfriended right actually when people recognize themselves or a scene or you know a conversation that we've had they they wear it as a badge of honor so we're we're pleased with that i, I think that that's Aussie. they have partial ownership for your creative creation there so we're talking with jennifer rock and michael voss they're authors of two books their most recent book which we're which, which we're talking about is get ready for the title Operation Clusterpuck, a BS Incorporated novel. So they're kind of branding the BS Incorporated, which is a great idea. Franchise it. Uh, how did you come up with the name for the book? So that was a that was a, a fun process where we um, we tried to find something that was, of course, uh, related to both Minnesota and Canada, which is. Um, which is where uh, the story mostly takes place, got on kind of a hockey theme and then uh, decided um, that we had to have something that was vaguely a swear word because um, that's kind of our brand now. Right, BS Incorporated, Operation Clusterpuck. Did the publisher, how did that conversation go when they when you gave them the title? Were they all over it with joy or were they questioning your logic? Interestingly enough, they were all over it with joy. Okay. We had a different working title and we were told, sure, you could do that, but maybe you could think about something that's a little more attention grabbing. So wow. we uh, spent a little time brainstorming and coming up with ideas and putting different terms together and trying to take, as Jennifer said, some sort of raw language and combine it with some popular eye-rolling business terminology and, and melding it all together, and that's where we landed. What are the big ideas or the, the arc of the book when people buy it and read it? What lessons, because we're talking to business owners and CEOs here uh, through Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, what are they going to gain from the time they spend with your characters? Right. So, um, you know, in, in both of our books, um, we, we, of course, love to talk about the fun stuff and the funny stuff and the absurd stuff that happens. But um, but we do have some important things we want to get across, too. We've learned a lot in, in our corporate careers. And in, in Operation Clusterpuck, um, there's a couple of things that, that we really wanted to get across, and especially to that leadership audience. And, um, and one is to think um, very carefully and planfully about um, the, the life that you make for yourself professionally and personally and, um, and the legacy that you leave behind. And, um, and to think about that as, a, as your company, to think about that as a leader, and to think about that as, as an employee. And um, what do you want to be known for, and how do you want to make your mark in the world? And that's a, a very big theme in this book. And, um, and, you know, one of our ideas there is that you're, you're never too young or too early in your career to start thinking about um, how you want to make your mark and the kind of leader and person you want to be. And, um, and then there's also the, uh, the theme that we have in, in uh, Operation Cluster Puck around the choices that we make between our personal and our professional lives. 
and I think that's uh, an important lesson, whether you're a leader or an employee, um, uh, entry level an employee in the company, where um, you think about the success that you have in your career that sometimes comes at a price of your personal life. And, um, and maybe that's okay for you, but it should be a deliberate choice. And so um, we're really encouraging readers of the book um, to think, um, again, very planfully about the mark you want to leave and, and how um, you want to live your professional life and your personal life and, and how that all rolls together into a, into a career. Well said. Michael, is there anything you want to add to what Jennifer just said? It's okay if you don't. Just that. No, that's, that's fine. I'll just very quickly add, I think the idea of le- leaving a legacy, whether personally or professionally, is often thought of near the age of retirement. And to Jennifer's point, I think we would all be well served to think about that earlier so that as we advance in our careers and as we advance in our personal lives outside of our careers, we really know where, why we're doing the things we're doing and, and we can look back and not have any regrets. So you both gave me a very deep and thoughtful um, response to my question, which I, I appreciate, and I hope people it resonates with the audience. But again, let's remind them that this is all done in a very easy-to-read, lighthearted, funny, and engaging style. So, and Thank you for that. Yes, it, it actually is. Um, if you look, uh, if you look us up on Amazon, we're actually classified under dark humor, which we take as, a, <laughs> as an incredible badge. I didn't even know there was a category dark humor on Amazon. Right? Uh, apparently, we're big in it. So yeah, dark humor. And I think, um, I'm just a big believer in you know you, you spend so much time at work and with the people that you work with, and um, even on your worst days, you have to find something to laugh at. So um, our our goal has always been to write about business, but to do it in an entertaining way that makes readers laugh out loud and also realize that they're not alone in, in whatever mess they find themselves in at their jobs. So if there's someone out there listening to this live stream on octalkradio.net or as a podcast or a video, and they might want to buy your book, other, how would you suggest and where would they go to do such a thing? Our website, rockandvossbooks.com, has every uh, possible way to buy, purchase the book. And so it has links to Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and iBooks. And um, you can download it for the Nook or the Kindle, etc. Of course, you can go directly to Amazon. They, they are currently out of stock, though. We've, they've sold through their first order already. So they, we do expect to have uh, more stock soon. And you can go to any of those websites directly to, again, iBooks or barnesandnoble.com as well. So are you fast becoming celebrities there in the greater Minneapolis area? I mean, are people like finding you in restaurants and calling you out and <laughs> telling you that they read your book and loved it? Is that happening yet? Um, uh, no. Thankfully, I can still go to the grocery store. <laughs> that's a great thing. Well, that's, enjoy it while it lasts, Jennifer, because it may not last much longer if you keep writing these books. And can't w- I can't wait to have you both back on for the third novel in this BS Incorporated series. Uh, you know you have a friend here, someone eager to read your next creation. Thank you for making the commitment to write a sequel and uh, and giving us a little bit of time here. You're, you're gracious and great friends of the Critical Mass community. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Well, best of luck with the book sales. I'm glad that Amazon sold out. The next order will be even larger. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't wait. Get your order in now. Probably be a great holiday gift giving idea if you're listening to the live stream. So thank you both very much and continued success in your writing careers.
Thank you much. Thank you. All right, we're going to move on, and I would like to thank our engineer for today, Paul Roberts, as well as our three producers, without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, the best way to do that is type my name, Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.